Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of The Law and Finance Show. And today we have talking with a the Rust Belt Law Firm. And one of the things that I really like about them is that they're not just here just to practice law, but they're really focused on how to help their business owners, how to help small business owners, entrepreneurs figure out some of those critical things that they need to actually have a sound business that allows them to make a positive impact in their economy and in the community where their business exists. So stay tuned for today's episode. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest, Adam. Welcome to the show, Adam. How are you doing? Great. Good to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Adam, one of the things that, you know, you were referred by a mutual friend of ours uh, that I've had a pleasure of, you know, sitting down talking business with. And one of the things that I really respect about, you know, Jenny was we were able to have a conversation of not just so much just the practice of law, but just the business of running a law firm because i think a lot of times some people forget that you know even though you're practicing law if you're running a firm there's a business side to it and so when i and i read some of the stuff about like i said the way you guys are helping businesses i was really excited about you know talking with you but before we jump into the details of that can you tell us a little bit about your background sure um so i i grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and you know i saw my dad hustle and and struggle and i went to uh i was going off to college i'll never forget he was driving me to college at the university of michigan and we drove by this this huge business on the side of the highway and he goes see that's that's the type of place that's run by somebody with a good business education right (laughs) so he because he he was a math major and so the idea was go to college get out of college, get the good job, work nine to five, get a consistent paycheck and benefits and all that stuff. And that was always sort of the mindset I had through college, I thought. And then I ended up starting two businesses while I was there. And then when I went out to law school, you know, I always had in the back of my mind that I thought I might start my my own firm one day. And I I feel like I've read every book there is on how to start a business. (laughs) And, And every book says, chapter one, make sure you're the type of person that can survive this because it it's tough right it's it's going to drain you mentally and physically chapter two of every one of those books says get a good accountant and get a good lawyer so when i started my firm i decided i was going to be that lawyer for people awesome awesome you know one of those things that i'm curious about is you know with such a you know strong entrepreneurial business background when you went into law school, were you kind of like an alien amongst, you know, others who didn't have that kind of background? I actually at that time I was trying to hide it. Right? Like I, <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I I got my law degree, I got my MBA at the same time. So it was like an extra semester. And I remember going into interviews and having lawyers at these big firms, you know, question like I was on law review. I had I had some good opportunities. And I remember attorneys asking me, like, well, do you want to be a business person or a, or a lawyer? And 
it's like I didn't realize they were mutually exclusive, but to lawyers, <laughs> apparently they are. Like I can I can be a lawyer and also be a business person, but uh, it turns out when you're interviewing for a job, they don't really understand that. So I, I suppose it was a blessing in disguise that not many of those firms wanted to hire me after they interviewed me, because uh, I, I think they were they were afraid of what that meant. Uh, or maybe they saw what I didn't see at the time that I see now of, yeah, I really am more of a business person than a lawyer. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, and I think that's always an interesting thing as I, you know, talk with more lawyers and work with more lawyers. And one of the things that I see that they have a challenge with is figuring out the business side of running their firm. Now, for you, how was that transition since, like say, you had such a strong kind of background on the understanding running a business and just the idea of a business how is that for you going from like say just practicing law to running a firm yeah so you you got to understand the city that i'm in we're a we're hundred miles from buffalo and cleveland and pittsburgh we're right in the middle of it. we are we are the heart of the rust belt we have if you go out my office door and head three blocks east you enter the poorest zip code in america okay the, the federal government through whatever the SBA, I don't even remember what it was, rates us the least entrepreneurial city in America, right? Wow. But I was I was born and raised here and my parents owned a business here. And I, I know that the impact that small business can have, I know that it's the only way that, that really true job creation happens, you know? So so when I set out to do this, I, I wanted to, to help business owners but I wasn't sure if I could have a niche doing only that. So, I mean, I had one of my, one of the very first things I ever handled, so a couple broke up, the husband, or the, the, the guy that was gonna be the husband, sued his ex-fiance to get the engagement ring back in Pennsylvania, he's legally entitled to it. She paid me 50 bucks to show up to the hearing to make sure the transfer went well, right? And it, dude, I got student loans, I'll, I'll, I'll be there for that. I've learned that was 10 or 11 or 12 years ago. I've learned since then that, yeah, you can actually focus. You don't have to be a door lawyer or a general practitioner as a solo attorney in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, so that that's been a, a great lesson. And it's also been fun because the 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 trajectory of my business and, and we're we've been ranked the last two years, one of the fastest growing firms in the country. The, the trajectory of our business is very similar to what our clients deal with. I started my law firm as a side hustle. I was clerking for a trial court judge. I had a full-time job. I had a paycheck. I had benefits, but I, I wanted to see if I could do it on my own. And like a lot of our clients, I, I started it on the side. Six months later, I was making as much from my side hustle as I was from my job. So it was time to quit the job. And over time, I hired a part-time employee then it was a full-time employee, then it was two full-time employees. And now I think we're a team of 10 or 11 plus a couple full-time contractors and part-time contractors. So it's a similar path that a lot of my clients follow. They've got a job, they start something on the side. They don't necessarily know where it's gonna end up. They just think the grass is gonna be greener being self-employed as opposed to having a job, which sometimes they're right about that. And sometimes they're horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> you know, there was something very important that, that you said that I, I want to go back to and, you know, talk a little bit more about that, like, you know, that, you know, getting to the point where you were comfortable understanding that, hey, 
there is a market for me to, you know, pick a niche. I don't have to be the, hey, I'll solve all your, your legal problems type of lawyer. You know, you know, for a lot of lawyers that I talk to that, you know, they had some, ex- they have, they have enough experience to where they get, they finally got comfortable with that. It was like an emotional process for them of just going, dealing with the fear of letting go of, Hey, I don't have to be everything, but I can niche down and still have a viable business. How was that process of getting to that point for you? So we, we, I had to, in my mind, reposition what, who and what we are for our clients. A, you hear clients talk and they say, this is my lawyer. And I'll actually correct them and say, I'm one of your lawyers. Like you need a team on your side. So, so over time I learned that I got really, really good at a few things. And there were other things that I knew and I could, I could, you know, BS my way through a hearing or handle something competently enough. But there was always part of me that thought, you know, I bet there's somebody that's better at this than I am. The role that I now talk, and this is every person in our firm understands this. Our role is to become a trusted advisor for our clients. So that doesn't mean we do everything, but it does mean that when they have an issue or a problem or a question or a concern, if we can't handle it ourselves, we refer them to someone who can. And and we don't make referrals that are like, oh, here are three options and you go shop and you figure it out. No, we do homework, right? Like we make sure that the people that we're referring to have good reviews and they have references and they they can solve the specific problem that our clients have. So I don't care if you need a realtor or an accountant or you want to know the best place to buy a hamburger on a Monday night in Erie, Pennsylvania. (laughs) If you're a client of mine, I'm going to make the best damn referral that I can for any one of those things. Nice. Nice. I love it. I mean, and I think that's one of those things that, you know, not only just law firms, just across the board, I've noticed that a lot of business owners do kind of struggle with that. And I guess when you're talking with your clients, I mean, you know, being a trusted advisor, you know, does that subject matter come up often in your discussion with your clients about, hey, what is it that you guys really do or want to be known for? Yeah, we we kind of look at ourselves as the architect. We'll draw up the plans, but you're going to have to hire other people. And what some of them are lawyers sometimes, you know, if it's really specialty specialty stuff. Sometimes it's it's other professionals or other other service providers. Um, so yeah, it definitely does come up with our clients. The the other part I should mention this, the other part that that was challenging for us and and is challenging for anybody about carving out a niche is you most lawyers don't really have criteria for what they're looking for in a client. Most lawyers say, as long as a client can pay the bill, but I bet if they really critically examined that, they can think of those pain in the ass clients that they've had that paid their bill on time, maybe even paid extra because they were kind of a pain in the neck. But if they came back to the door, you wouldn't accept their business, right? (laughs) Our law firm does a really, really good job of scaring off people like that, that I, I, you, I could earn a hundred thousand dollars on a fee for some of the work that we're doing for some of our, our clients. But if you're a jerk, if you mistreat my staff, if you're doing things for the wrong reason, if you have a victim mindset, we probably don't want to work with you. And we're actually pretty explicit about that. That is a scary, terrifying position to take if you have a mindset of, I can't, 
I can't say what I want in a client because there probably aren't enough of them out there. But I'm telling you, from just outside the poorest zip code in America, there are enough clients out there no matter what you do. And actually, the more you do focus and carve out a niche, the easier it is to find those people. So it's it's backwards thinking for a lot of people, uh, but it works. And I'll, I'll give you one example. We We got very, very good over the last 14 months, uh, actually since the beginning of the pandemic, we've, we've focused on a lot of pandemic related programs, but one program in particular with this tax credit, we got really, really good at. And in the last 14 months, we have found clients in 38 states that have hired our law firm to go after this thing. So now we've taken money from 38 states and brought it back to Erie, Pennsylvania and invested it in our firm and invested it in our people uh, and that that is really, really fulfilling, but it only happened because we said, here's the service we provide, here's who we want to provide it for. And honestly, referrals just started flowing from there. Nice, nice. Really you know, it's one, but no, I, I think there's a ton of great points in there because it, as you were talking, you know, it reminded me of something I heard, you know, someone else say it is, you know, you know, Picking a niche allows you to be known for something because they, they you know, they told me before, um, and I think it might have been like Jordan Ostroff, uh, you know, that helps law firms with marketing and mentioned like, you know, when someone else talks about you, like, you know, if I'm going to talk about you to a friend, what do you want me to say about you? And it's just like that becomes kind of your identity, your niche. And, and if you're not known for something, then you probably, I probably won't bring you up to other people because I don't know what context to bring you up in. And I'm like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yep. And if I knew somebody that was looking for advice on Hawaiian shirts, lawmatics, <laughs> law firm automation, <laughs> Jordan is all of those things, right? I've never met the guy in my life, but I know that about him. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, I absolutely love that. I mean, and, and I guess, you know, for yourself, you know, as you started thinking about, you know, just that picking up clients in like 38 different states, you know, with many people, the way they approach kind of with the pandemic and the changes that, you know, that it brought about is do you feel like the change in remote and virtual you know, work and work relationships or business relationships, do you, how much do you think that played into you being able to expand even more outside of Erie to, you know, connect with customers and bring more business into your firm that isn't pretty local to you? You remember the Fast and Furious movies and NOS? Mm -hmm. So you can be driving a car. It's, it's a little bit hyperbole in that movie but you know they're driving at 100 miles an hour and they hit the nos button and all of a sudden their head snaps back about against the headrest and they take off that's what the pandemic did to our firm we were cruising along pretty well and this just threw through jet fuel onto it and there's there's a couple reasons why one anytime you have some external force like that some problem some threat a, a really good, true entrepreneur is going to find some opportunity in that, okay? For us, we realized a lot of our clients were freaking out, so let's find a way to help them because if they survive the pandemic, then we will survive the pandemic. 
right? What's good for them is what, what's good for our law firm. So that was, that was part one of this. Part two was, and I get so fired up about this, even though it's been two years. There are law firms in my town that are much larger than my firm that represent a lot of small businesses, a lot of medium-sized businesses, and some large businesses. And do you know what those law firms did as soon as the governor gave the orders that you had to shut down or work from home or go remote? They laid off half their staff. They, they looked at half of their employees and said, good luck. So you've got people, you've got business owners out there. Oh man, my heart rate's increasing. You've got business owners that go to these law firms for advice on how to run their businesses from people that themselves were so uncreative and so unmotivated and so unopportunistic that they couldn't make their own business run properly. And, and I know that there were businesses that got really affected by the pandemic. We're working with a lot of them, but you're telling me you couldn't hand out some laptops to your support staff and get a remote phone system set up and have them work from home and still help your clients. Instead, the alternative was lay everybody off. That part blew my mind. So that created opportunity for us because people couldn't get help elsewhere. And we, I was, was I up till 3 a.m. the night the governor announced the shutdowns? Yep. Were we back to business at 8.01 the next morning? Yes, the whole team was ready to go fired up, motivated, because they knew that I had their backs. So that's been that's been part two of this. I don't even remember where we started with this story. You asked, about, you, asked about the, you asked about the pandemic. Now here we are two years into this, and there are law firms that are that will only allow employees to work in the office still. Like I, that, I don't even understand that logic. You're in Germany right now. You and I are like doing business. I. <laughs> You look like you're in a hotel room, but guess what? You're still doing your job, right? And you're doing a great job of it. We have employees, uh, well, employees and contractors and staffers. We have virtual assistants in South Africa. The last two attorneys we've hired, one full-time and one contract, are in Philadelphia on the other side of the state. Um, the attorney we hired before that is in Pittsburgh, two hours south of us, and they all work from home because that's their choice. That's what they want to do. And again, not all businesses can work like that, but a law firm absolutely 100% can work remotely. I think lawyers, most of whom aren't really good business people, also aren't very good managers. And they're afraid that if their eyes aren't on their staff nine to five in the office, the staff is not going to be doing their jobs. As if there's no other way to manage people and hold people accountable other than to stare over their shoulder all day. So it, it, it blows my mind on that. And that also has created opportunities for us because we're we're desperate for staff. man. I got I got three unfilled positions right now. Our team only has 10 or 11. So we're we're understaffed by 30 percent right now. And what a huge advantage for us to tell people, yeah, you want to work from home? Go for it. In fact, if you're in Pittsburgh and you want to work from home, but you want office space, we've got some flexible office space and a co-working space that's a really fun energetic, inspiring place to work. So if you want to go into the office, go ahead and do that. Uh, so yeah, huge opportunities for us from the beginning until now. Um, and it's it's great because we established a relation uh, a reputation as a firm that can help businesses when there are problems. And then we can help them pursue opportunities too. Awesome. I love it. You know, that's a great point that you brought up about, you know, 
a lot of times when businesses are choosing to do business, whether it's with the law firm to support their business or whether it's a accounting firm or one of the big things that I really, really paid attention to as a, you know, as a business owner myself is when marketers reach out to me of like, hey, I can help you with your marketing. I'm like, okay, let me, let me see how well you're doing in your business. And, and it's one of those things where I, I think you brought up a really good point of that business owners should be really looking at if you're going to work with this law firm, how well are they managing their own business? And if they're not doing a good job managing their own law firm, why do we think they would give you good advice about how to manage and grow your business? I mean, that's an amazing point. It's not exclusive to lawyers. It's it, it's true for advice you're getting from anybody. Everybody's got advice, but I prefer to take it from people who have been there before. And whether whether they've done what I wanted to do successfully or if they screwed it up, I can learn from them. But if they've never even tried, uh, I, I'm pretty apprehensive to, to take that advice. So yeah, I want my financial advisor to make more money than I do. Seems fair, right? Yet most financial advisors want to drive around in a Toyota Camry because they don't want to show off that they ha have money. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's true. I, I also love getting the unsolicited emails that are like, hey, I wanted to help your law firm get to the top of Google. Well, how'd you find me? The top of Google, right? <laughs> you know, it's always, I think that that is always an interesting thing. Like I said, I, I think it's an amazing point of you want to work with a law firm or you want to work with any type of business that can actually help you go to the next level. So for people that are hearing this, you know, or watching this, you know, that are interested in where can they find your firm online? Where should they go to find you guys online? Yep. So our, our website is rustbeltlegal.com. Uh, the, the better place to find us is on Instagram because I love taking selfie videos and telling good stories and giving good lessons and dropping the occasional dad joke. But yeah, our, our website is rustbeltlegal.com. We were rebranded a little over a year ago to because it, it better summarizes who we are and, and who we help and, and why we're here. So, yep, that's our website right there. Uh, there is a newsletter sign up on there. We mail a newsletter out every single month and we're in the process of getting some other good resources up on the website. Uh, I do a, a business plan workshop at least once a year and we have a recording available of that. Because again, people need a plan, not just a legal plan, but a business plan, marketing plan, sales plan. Uh, so we give some resources uh, away on, on that stuff that are really, really helpful for business owners. Awesome. I love it. Well, before we wrap up, you know, one final question that I love asking every guest that comes on is, you know, when you think about, you know, your own experiences and you think about the lessons you've learned, some of the ups, downs, twists and turns, you know, what's two pieces of advice that you would share with other business owners and it can be something you've already said that you want to reiterate, or it can be two completely new points. Yep. So I'm, I am kind of by nature a transactional lawyer, and transactional lawyers love defined terms, right? It's always the first section, of, usually the first section of the contract. What do all these words mean that we're about to use? I, my advice to, to law firm owners, to any business owner, is to change your definition of success or your definition of failure. Too many people view failure as when things didn't go as I planned, I failed. My son just had this happen. He tried to sell some coloring books that he made. He profited $1 on that project and he called it a failure. This is a valuable father-son lesson. He's 11. Poor kid has to listen to this. 
<laughs> There's only two ways to fail. And that's if you give up or if you don't learn the lesson. So I told Royce, are you going to try and sell coloring books again? Yes, I am. And what did you learn? Well, I need to get cheaper copies and I need to charge more for the coloring books. All right. That was not a failure. Uh, and But I think too many people look at failure either if they didn't hit their goals or it becomes a stigma that if someone has launched a business and it hasn't been this raging success and they had to sell it or shut it down or file bankruptcy, I value that experience. I think we should seek out that experience. If you if you go to a skate park and you're out there on your bike or your rollerblades or your skateboard and you don't fall over at all, you're probably not trying anything that difficult. So that's piece of advice number one is, is change your definition of, of failure and change your definition of success to what's really important to to you. The other piece of advice that I have, and I I myself struggle from this, with, struggle with this, is think bigger, have a bigger vision, have bigger goals. It is really, really, really stressful starting and running a business. That's why chapter one of every book says, make sure you're the type of person that should be doing this. It has to be worth it. I have so many clients that come to my business, come to my office and want to start a business. And we look at their projected financials and they're going to make 15 bucks an hour. It's like, hey, go get a job at Target. The, the uniform is more consistent and you get benefits. Like you don't need to. Let's figure out a way that you can make $100,000 a year doing this, not 15 bucks an hour. So thinking bigger can help you get through those difficult moments. The days where you don't even want to get out of bed because you know the inbox is going to stress you out. The things in the office are going to stress you out. A negative review from a customer is going to stress you out. But if you've got that vision, if you know where you're, you're going, it'll get you through that. It's also important advice for lawyers to think bigger. We always think of legal solutions. We think, oh, you've got a problem. Well, you need a better contract or I need to file a lawsuit or bankruptcy lawyers. Well, let's file bankruptcy. There are solutions that I love saying this that aren't legal. <laughs> there are solutions that are not typical lawyer solutions that you can bring to your clients. Think bigger about it. Don't be so narrow in the solutions that you're coming up with. So I guess that's one piece of advice with two subparts to it. But I snuck that in. There. No, I love it. I love it. Well, Adam, it's been a great time having you on the show. Thanks for being an amazing guest on the show. This was great. Thank you. You just checked out the Law and Finance Show, where we bring you great, insightful interviews that talk about the business and the financial side of managing a law firm. So subscribe to the show and check out more of the great interviews.